The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be called children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The catechism students came into the classroom and uh, they saw at their seats, each one of them had a set of darts. And then they looked up on the wall and they saw uh, a whole bunch of pictures and they glanced and it was pictures of their enemies. The uh, teacher came into the classroom and said, do what you will. Hesitantly at first, the students picked up their darts, walked forward and threw them at the pictures. It was a little forced at first, but they started getting into it. It felt good to give their enemies a what for. When all the darts had been thrown, the teacher, without a word, invited the classroom to be seated and picked off each of those darts and then took down the pictures of their enemies, revealing beneath each one of them a picture of Jesus. And that was the lesson for the class that day. It's natural for us to want to react in harsh ways to those who have been harsh to us, to hurt those who have hurt us, to snap back at those who have snapped at us, 
to hate those who hate us. What kind of words would you use to speak to your enemies? What kind of language would you choose? Now imagine using that same language as you speak to Jesus. It is natural for us to want to get our revenge, to reciprocate the suffering onto those who have made us suffer. It's natural. And then we hear Jesus in our gospel lesson today say, love your enemies. Is there anything that seems more unnatural than this command of our Lord Jesus? Now, I could tell you that love here doesn't mean like them, doesn't mean, you know, feel warm and fuzzy feelings for those who have hurt you. I could tell you that, you know, uh, it doesn't mean to be friends with them uh, in the same way that you're friends with with those uh, whom it is easy to love. I could tell you that it is more along the lines of something like this. Seek the best interest of your enemies. But that really doesn't change things, does it? It's not natural to want to seek the best interest of those who have hurt us, who have injured us, who have spoken ill of us. We don't want to see that things work out well for them. We want to see them rot and suffer. (laughs) Our brains are hardwired for self-preservation. Our instinctual reaction when threatened is to retaliate. To bite back. All of our ideas about morality and ethics, they go to the back burner. They take a back seat when we feel threatened, when we have suffered at the hands of our adversaries. So when Jesus tells us, love your enemies, seek their best interest, he is calling us to live in a way that is countercultural. It, it is uh, against the, the very instincts with which we typically operate. It's a way of living and loving uh, that is quite alien to us. The alternate reality of which Jesus speaks is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus says there is love and mercy in this world that is common to find. You can find it anywhere across many different cultures. You can find people loving their friends, those who are good to them, being merciful to those who have shown them mercy. There is a love that is based on reciprocity, But he says about that love. So you love those who love you? Do you want to be congratulated for that? (laughs) There's nothing special about that. You can find that anywhere. Even the most base sinner does that. 
You want to do good to those who have done good to you? Do you want a certificate of commendation? (laughs) You display generosity when there may be a possibility of, uh, you know, maybe even getting some gain in the end. Well, who wouldn't do that? It's perfectly natural to want to do that kind of thing. It's seen as an investment. (laughs) That kind of love and generosity is common enough. But Jesus says that's not the love that he is speaking about. That is not the love of the kingdom. In contrast to this worldly understanding of love and mercy, Jesus describes what love and mercy looks like in the kingdom of God. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. It is a love that does not judge others while judging ourselves as pure as the wind-driven snow. This love is countercultural. It is alien to us. There is a story, kind of obscure to, to most of us, uh, out of the book of Genesis. And uh, it is of Noah and his family after they've stepped off the ark. You remember Noah and his wife and their three sons and their three wives all came off of the ark together. And, and after God, that great story of God setting his bow in the sky and promising never again to destroy the earth through a flood, we kind of think that's the end of the Noah story. But if you read in Genesis, there's one more little bit. <laughs> Kind of an embarrassing episode, we think. Noah plants a vineyard. And then he takes the fruit of the vineyard, makes wine, and gets drunk. And he, being drunk, is naked, asleep on the tent, on the floor of the tent. Kind of embarrassing. And one of his sons, Ham, comes in and sees his dad sprawled out on the floor, naked as a jaybird. And what does he do? He goes out and he tells his brothers, exits the tent and says, Ha! The old coot's gotten himself drunker than a skunk. You ought to see him in there. Shameful. Shem and Japheth, for their part, decide what they're going to do. They carefully take a piece of cloth, a a cloak, and they put it, hang it over their shoulders, and, and you can picture how awkward this is for them. Back their way into the entrance of the tent, back up, you can kind of see them feeling around with their feet uh, for for Noah's feet, find him, and and then, you know, carefully bend over backwards, to lay this blanket over him, to cover his nakedness and his shame. And then they quietly leave the tent. When Noah wakes up, he has no good words to say to him. Let's just leave it at that. But uh, 
What's this episode about? If you hear this story at all, you've probably heard it as a moral lesson, don't get drunk. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> sure. But I think there's something more to it than that. I think really the lesson is, what do we do when we find somebody in a vulnerable position? Ham saw his dad sprawled out like that and went out and blabbed it to people. <laughs> you see the guy? Shem and Japheth saw it as an opportunity to clothe their dad, to cover up his shame so that others wouldn't be exposed to that and that he would be protected. How do you respond when you find people in a vulnerable position? It's natural for us to respond to those people based on our relationship with them. Are they a friend? Well, then we're probably going to overlook things, clothe it over. If they're an enemy, <laughs> take to social media. Did you see this happen to so-and-so? <laughs> Pick up the phone. Oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? <laughs> Got their just desserts. Such a way of being is not, Jesus says, of the kingdom of God. This is not Christ-like behavior. Jesus tells us that that is not a kingdom response. What is a kingdom of response? Jesus tells us plainly, be merciful as your Father is merciful. He directs our attention away from the suffering that we have received at the hands of our adversaries to look to the great mercy we have received from God, who has shown us abundant mercy. Kingdom love is a love that God himself exercises for the benefit, Jesus says, of the ungrateful and the wicked. That's you and me. <laughs> when he says, be merciful, to those, uh, be merciful as your Father is merciful, you check your Bibles, check your celebrate insert, there is no little asterisk that says, you know, to, to, for a footnote that says, uh, except for your enemies. <laughs> or, you know, to those who are merciful to you. No, simply be merciful as your father is merciful. And he has shown such mercy. Look a little further back in Genesis and you'll see the mercy of God who when he saw the great need, the shameful uh, status of Adam and Eve having rebelled in the garden, there they're fig leaves withering on the vine around their bodies showed them mercy. He clothed their nakedness and he gave them clothing so that their shame would be covered up. It came at a cost. You'll remember Adam had the privilege, the calling of God to name the animals he knew them by name. Two of those animals 
were sacrificed by God to provide the skins that God clothed Adam and Eve in. Can you imagine wearing those skins and knowing that cost? But being grateful to God for the gift. God loves, yes, even the ungrateful and the wicked. And he has shown us, proved his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, the beloved Son of God, sinless, died for you, for me, sinners all. There, Jesus died on the cross, naked, his shame exposed to all the world, taking upon himself our sin so that he might clothe us in his righteousness, so that now when God looks on you, he does not see a sinner, he sees Christ, Jesus. He sees his beloved son, he sees one who is indeed righteous. That is the mercy of God even while we were yet enemies. He feeds us at his table, sets a banquet before us, invites us to feast, to share in this love. Having received mercy then, we show mercy. Having Partaken of this love, we show love, not in word and speech, but in truth and action. Having received the riches of the kingdom while we were in a state of poverty, we live generous lives to those who are in need. Yes, even, even to our adversaries. When we love only in the ways of this world, placing ourselves above our neighbors in judgment, looking out only for ourselves, we show that we have poor memories and have forgotten this mercy that has been shown to us in Christ. We sing about it, we confess it with our lips, we receive it into our bodies here at, at church on a Sunday morning. But come Wednesday afternoon or maybe even Sunday afternoon and we're confronted with our adversary, how do we respond? What might it look like to have a kingdom response to that exercise in that catechism class? When the darts are available for your use and the pictures of your enemies are hanging on the wall, what is a kingdom response? Perhaps it is to place your picture over that of your enemies. To seek their best interest even at your expense. Is that even possible for you? For me? Can you see yourself doing that for the very people who have caused you real pain? It's a hard word that Jesus gives when he says, love your enemies. But <laughs> this is not something natural that he calls us to. 
It is something supernatural. It is something that he does himself. And Christ in you will cause you to do things you would not dream possible apart from Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do this. In the name of Jesus. Amen.